You know, this is someone who's a complete political unknown. The vast majority of people in our state have probably had no idea who he was. And uh, so I think that really worked against him, the fact that he started so very late with his campaign. And I think that you also have to wonder about the Trump endorsement, if, if this didn't end up hurting Michaels. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. Welcome to another edition of Fact Check. Fact Check is your only dependable source of state and local news from a conservative perspective. The November 8th midterm election was widely believed to be a wave election for the Republican Party. Instead, a week after Election Day, we still don't know for sure if Republicans gained control of the U.S. House of Representatives, although it looks likely they will hold a slim majority. Republicans look to have lost a seat in the U.S. Senate. This election seems like a disaster for Republicans. Bill, what can you tell us about this unexpected result? Well, it, it definitely is a gigantic disappointment. There's no way to sugarcoat the results. Once again, polling data in Wisconsin and across the nation was wrong. And strangely, this time, it appears that they overrepresented Republican support, whereas in 2020, they grossly underrepresented Republican support. It makes and- you wonder if you can even trust the polling data. I, you know, I've heard a lot of experienced people in politics say this, but the only poll that counts is on election day. Truth. And and the truth is that it just seems like the polls are no longer even remotely reliable. People, Republicans used to complain about them being biased against Republicans. Now here we have a poll that comes out that evidently was biased in favor of Republicans oh, right. and, and instead of against them. And we're still disappointed. The most amazing result was Senator Ron Johnson surviving over $100 million of attack ads. He defeated Mandela Barnes by 26,000 votes. That's a margin that's really similar to some of the close elections when Evers defeated Walker and when Biden defeated Trump. So just the narrowest of margins, 26,000 votes. And it's not isolated. That was nationwide. It's hard to understand, really, how they can be so close. Another race that uh, is an interesting outcome was Tim Michaels losing to Governor Tony Evers by over 90,000 votes. The polling data was telling us that Evers wasn't even polling close to 50%. He ends up winning 51 to call it 48%. So Evers earned the highest vote total of any of the statewide candidates with 1,358,000 votes. Uh, That was 21,786,000 more votes than Ron Johnson gets. So the top Democrat vote getter in the state beats the top Republican vote getter in the state again by this amazingly similar margin of just under 22,000 votes. Michaels trailed Johnson by almost 69,000 votes. So, big question. Where were those votes? Why Why Ryan. did so many Republicans choose not to support Tim Michaels? I just don't think they believed in him. Yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of reasons why, and we're going to talk about those in more detail as we get into this. Another outcome that uh, is kind of a strange result is octogenarian 80-something-year-old Doug LaFollette has once again been reelected to Secretary of State. 
and he narrowly, narrowly defeats Republican Amy Loudenbeck by just over 7,000 votes to, to keep his seat as Secretary of State. Republican AG candidate, Attorney General that is, Eric Tony loses to Josh Call by 35,000 votes. And in yet another head-scratcher, the Republican candidate for state treasurer wins by 38,000 votes. So, so the final tally, Democrats win three statewide races and Republicans win two. I, I was also struck by the amount of drop-off in this election. It happens in every election. In, in the midterm elections, there's a drop-off, but I think people might be surprised just how big the drop-off is. So Biden receives 1.6 million votes in 2020. Evers tallies uh, about 1,358,000, so a drop-off of close to 300,000 votes. Same thing on the Republican side. Trump got 1,600,000 votes, and Johnson earns 1,336,000 votes. Uh, that's a drop-off of over a half a million votes from right. 2020 to 2022, which I, I find uh, interesting that because both parties are telling us this is the end of the world if you don't get out and vote for their candidates. Democracy as you know it. Democracy is going to be <laughs> Democracy ended. is on the ballot. Yeah. <laughs> I so, think I heard that one too many times. So I, do you think it's because people have this uh, misunderstanding that these local elections don't impact their lives when in reality it has a much greater impact on their everyday life? I just don't know how to figure it. I understand that people get excited about voting for the president of the United States. So you have a lot right. of what are called low propensity voters, people who don't vote very often that get excited by a presidential campaign. It's just interesting to me that it's such a huge number of people, over half a million people in our state chose not to vote in this election when they did vote in the last presidential election. So you know, all these arguments by both political parties about how the Democrats are destroying the economy, Republicans are ending democracy. Evidently, those those messages didn't motivate over a half a million people to go vote. Right. So the the last thing I'll say about it is that, interestingly, once again, Democrats have the top vote getter by about 21,000 votes, which is just an eerily consistent number through all of this. So are there any positive results for well, Republicans? Anything we can celebrate? The, the the biggest thing we can celebrate is Derek Van Orden being elected to Congress in the 3rd Congressional District, ending 26 years of Democrats controlling that seat. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Republicans now have six of the eight seats in Congress from Wisconsin. And Derek Van Orden is just a, an amazing man to pull off what he pulled off. Uh, I'm sure we'll have him on the show many times in the next couple of years here. But what an amazing effort. Three years of nonstop campaigning mm -hmm. and record fundraising. And he pulls off uh, what, again, is a narrow victory. He won with just under 52% of the vote, uh, about 10,000 vote margin, which is similar to the margin he lost to Kind by back in, in 2020. So, Van Orden elected to Congress is a big deal. It may very well be that that was the seat that gave Republicans control of the House of Representatives. Republicans also gained three seats in the state assembly. They increased uh, to 64 seats from 61 seats. Democrats now hold 35 seats. So Republicans have clear control of the state assembly. Republicans gained a supermajority in the state Senate. They now hold 22 of the 33 seats. Locally, Ryan Hipsch, wow, what a campaign. 
young Ryan Hipsch ran against 94th Assembly incumbent Steve Doyle. Hipsch lost by only 757 votes. That's the closest that anybody has come to Steve Doyle since he was elected in a special election in May of 2011. So interesting. Looks like uh, there's a future for Ryan Hipsch in the 94th Assembly District. So question for you. With the State Assembly and the State Senate uh, going so far Republican, you know, for GOP, how is it that Tony Evers wins? It feels like in the state, by and large, we want Republican ideologies. The interesting thing about this, and it relates back to claims of gerrymandering by Democrats, is that Democrats are highly concentrated in urban areas, especially Milwaukee and Madison. And they're winning by margins of 80 and 85 percent in those areas. So the problem for Democrats is they're so highly concentrated that even even though these elections are basically 50-50 on a statewide basis, they're winning assembly districts and Senate districts that are 70-80% Democrat. Whereas if we go out and look at rural Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, the margins are much closer. Republicans are winning sometimes by 60%, usually more likely in the 50% range. So when you break it all down, when you start drawing legislative districts, Republicans dominate the rural and suburban parts of the state, a little less in in the suburban areas in recent elections, and and Democrats dominate in the cities. But when it comes to drawing legislative districts, the concentration of Democrats in cities works against them in terms of winning seats. So. Uh, nothing nefarious there. It's just the way that, uh, that that voters are distributed across the state. Another interesting point, locally, after redistricting, the 70th State Assembly District now encompasses the northeast part of La Crosse County. Uh, that happens to coincide roughly with a county board supervisor we've had on the show, Dennis Jacobson. But that is now part of the 70th Assembly District. That part of the county went 64% for Republican Nancy Vandermeer. So I'll bet that uh, Ryan Hipsch wishes that the lines had been drawn a little differently because if that part of La Crosse County was still part of the 94th Assembly District, he might be Assembly Representative Ryan Hipsch. So why did Tim Michaels lose by such a wide margin to Tony Evers? And why was he so far behind Ron Johnson in votes? That's a very important question. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of very smart people that are going to try and figure out what the answer to that is. Obviously, it's a combination of factors. But I think most people agree that Tim Michael started his campaign very late. So when we look at two of the other prominent candidates, Rebecca Clayfish, she was on the ballot in 2018. So she people knew who she was. Kevin Nicholson on the ballot for United States Senate in 2018. So he'd already run a a statewide campaign. So not only were they known to voters for being on the ballot in 2018, but they both kept a a high profile. Nicholson with his No Better Friend Corporation doing events across the state, Rebecca Clayfish with her 1848 project doing listening sessions around Wisconsin, and so that's all, that's what people who have political aspirations do. They, they keep themselves in the public eye. And so when we look at Michaels, he, he announces his candidacy on April 22nd. Clayfish had announced in September of 2021. 
Nicholson was waiting for Ron Johnson. He announced in January of 2022. And here comes Michaels announcing at the end of April and really not getting his campaign underway until late in May. So I think that worked against him. I I know a lot about Republican politics. I had to look up who Tim Michaels was. And after a Google search, I found out that he had run against Russ Feingold. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that until you mentioned it earlier today. Yeah, 2004, he, he ran against Russ Feingold and lost. I guess he also ran for the state Senate and lost. You know, this is someone who's a complete political unknown. The vast majority of people in our state have probably had no idea who he was. And uh, so I think that really worked against him, the fact that he started so very late with his campaign. And I think that you also have to wonder about the Trump endorsement, if, if this didn't end up hurting Michaels. I heard multiple reports about one of the campaigns in the Milwaukee suburbs that stopped distributing Tim Michaels' literature when they were doing doors because of the pushback from Republican voters. Republican voters were saying, if this is Trump's guy, then I'm not sure about your guy. And so it appears that we know that that Republican voters in the Milwaukee suburbs had a drop-off in support for Trump from 2016 to 2020. It appears that that drop-off has continued. And I think that uh, explains to some degree you know, how Tim Michaels trails Evers by 90,000 votes. So there have been some well-publicized attacks by Trump on two Republican governors, both of whom are considered possible presidential candidates in 2024. Well, I'm not a super social media savvy guy. I'm on Facebook, and that's about the extent of my social media knowledge. But I was sitting uh, on the couch the other night having a conversation with my young nephew, McAllen Fian. He just completed campaigning for Senator Ron Johnson, so he was part of a winning team. And welcome to Fact Check, Mac Fian. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I found uh, his Truth Social post recently to be interesting, uh, considering he's attacking two of the most well-respected popular governors in the nation. One of his posts about Ron DeSantis um, said, now that the midterms are over and a success, News Corp, which is Fox, the Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post, is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations, who didn't have to close up his state but did, unlike other Republican governors. Now, I found this to be very interesting because one of the big reasons that Ron DeSantis is so popular is because of how he handled COVID in Florida. I was living there during COVID. He did not close up his state. This is just complete misinformation. Floridians know it because he won by 20 points in the state. The red wave came to Florida because of his policies. They were voting for DeSantis. You know, it feels like so many elections lately, you're voting against. It's like the lesser of two evils. I'm going to vote for this guy because I'd rather not have the other guy. Right, and that's why we saw him win. Floridians were out in mass in support of his policies and the way he conducted himself and his leadership. Absolutely. So, so now let's let's back up just a second here. I want to give the listeners a little bit of an idea of, of who you are and, and what you've been doing. So what I think people should know is that Mac moved to Wisconsin back in April and he went to work on the campaigns uh, beginning of May. 
And and how many doors did you knock in La Crosse County from May through Election Day? Uh, over 20,000 doors. Not enough, apparently. <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah. Over 20,000 doors. And what do you take away from that experience? What, what are some of the things that you learned going to all those doors? When I was working for Rebecca Clayfish, her campaign, when they knew that Trump had endorsed Michaels, that made them want to vote for Michaels and not Clayfish. There were a lot of other people who... When they heard that Michaels was Trump's guy, it made them like Clayfish a lot more. Um, so I found the differences in opinions uh, on our candidates for governor uh, during the primary to be very interesting. So you're going to all these doors and you're talking with people in general. Are they receptive to you? Um, so some people were receptive to it. Uh, I had a lot of great conversations. There was also a lot of anger. Um and it clearly uh, showed the division in our politics right now. If you're a Republican and you go up to the door and there are Democrats that live there, many of them will immediately be angry, not want to talk to you. While I did have some good conversations with Democrats, most of them responded in anger. You know, as a society, I think that's one of our biggest downfalls right now. We used to be open to conversation and collaboration and maybe trying to see the world from somebody else's perspective, if only just to try and understand. I don't think we do that anymore. Yeah, I think it's a consequence of this modern brand of politics that takes no prisoners. And, you know, it's character assassination. You know, when when there are no holds barred and there's no boundaries, you, you can lie and say whatever you want to say about the other person because of our really bad libel laws in this country. I think this has everything to do with the fact that, that we're becoming increasingly polarized because I know from personal experience and my own memory that, that the attacks were not like this even 10 years ago. And, and I think it's really um, contributed to that anger that I think is probably on both sides. So you talked about Trump's posts on Truth Social about Ron DeSantis. He called him Ron DeSanctimonious. And there were other, there was another post where he uh, said some things about Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia. Can read that post and, and then tell us what you think it means. So Trump posted Youngkin. Now that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese, doesn't it? In Virginia, couldn't have one without me. I got to say this. When Trump was here for his rally in Waukesha for Michaels right before the primary election, he made similar attacks against Rebecca Clayfish because Clayfish, as lieutenant governor, had led a trade delegation from Wisconsin to China. And somehow Trump tried to turn that into that she was some kind of a Chinese. Being sympathetic to, yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. And, and so, um, yeah, this China thread seems to be running through through both of, of these two attacks. So what do, you, what do you think Trump's up to here? Why is he attacking these other Republicans? He feels uh, threatened by them potentially running in 2024 because uh, the midterms were widely regarded as a, a failure for Republicans. Trump had a lot of candidates that he endorsed that did not fare well, right? Right. And you could look at Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Georgia's going to a runoff. Herschel Walker did receive less votes um, than uh, Raphael Warnock. And if you look at uh, the projections going into 
the midterms. It was Republicans were favored to take both the House and the Senate, and they were favored to take the House by a much wider margin than they they. So, so what it what it boils down to is this: Republicans had great ambitions. Trump endorsed a lot of candidates. Trump's candidates didn't fare very well. And so it looks like maybe he's going after these other prominent Republicans who may have presidential aspirations. Everybody I talk to seems to assume that Ron DeSantis is going to run for president in 2024, and and I'm not sure that he is. I I I don't know that that's a fact yet. So interesting to me, but I agree with your take. I think that that Trump is trying to uh, warn off people that might be prospective challengers to him. Another interesting development, just yesterday, the very conservative Club for Growth released the results of a poll that they commissioned, and that poll showed that support for Trump is waning in in some key states. So in Iowa, DeSantis leads Trump 48-37. In New Hampshire, DeSantis leads Trump 52-37. In Florida, DeSantis leads Trump 56-30. And in Georgia, DeSantis leads Trump 55-35. So interesting that the Club for Growth, which has supported Donald Trump, seems now to be interested in giving information to people that, that might encourage them to consider another candidate. So what does that mean going into the presidential election? What all this means is that the Republican Party is divided. And a divided Republican Party means that we're going to lose a lot of elections over the next two years that are winnable elections because we're going to be too busy fighting amongst ourselves. People that support Donald Trump are likely to not support any other Republican candidate. And it only has to be a few percentage points. Look at how close these elections are. And likewise, somebody who might support another candidate, should Trump prevail and win the nomination, Many of those people may also choose not to vote. This does not bode well for the Republican Party or our candidates. And I think there was also, bringing this back down to the state level, I think there's some real questions about the Republican Party of Wisconsin and who we're going to support and what the way forward looks like for us. Thank you, Bill Fian. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. This was another episode of Fact Check. Fact Check is your only dependable source of state and local news from a conservative perspective. We invite you to join the conversation on our Facebook group, Fact Check Wisdom with Bill Fian. Thank you for listening. And subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>